Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The more that I shared my story, I realized that I'm not an enigma. I'm not the only person who feels uncomfortable or ignored in these spaces. Now that I get that and I have this light bulb moment, I have a responsibility then to help pave the way for other people. I'm not ashamed to be the person in the back of the room figuring it out. So why not use that as an opportunity to then hopefully change the space so that people feel welcome. Hey friends, Dana here, and today we are resharing one of our favorite body image-focused episodes with Kanoa Green. She joins us both today on this episode to chat about breaking boundaries in fitness as a plus-sized fitness instructor. She shares her roots in constant comparison as a performing artist, opera singer, turned New York City corporate recruiter, turned internationally recognized yoga instructor and fitness trainer. Kanoa started out with a rocky relationship with exercise, and she takes us through her journey to becoming a leader in the fitness space as a plus-size person who hosts body-positive fitness retreats around the world. Her goal is to provide a safe space for everyone to learn to enjoy movement, break boundaries in the fitness world, and to guide women how to embrace their bodies as they are right now. We have Kanoa Green on the podcast today. We're so excited to interview her because not only are you an awesome person currently, as you are now, but you have like a really unique journey as to how you got where you are today. So I would love if you could start with your story of how you were an opera singer turned New York City corporate recruiter to now an internationally recognized yoga instructor and fitness trainer who gets to host body positive fitness retreats like internationally. So cool. Hi. <laughs> it's so funny because I think I think my story is random. And then when I hear someone else kind of go through the trajectory of what that's looked like, I'm like, yeah, that's as random as it feels. <laughs> um, and wow. It's so funny. I started in opera. Um, that's kind of what I went to school for. And I really thought I would spend my life just traveling the world, singing in ball gowns and tiaras. Like I literally was like, that's going to be my life. And um, at the tail end of grad school, I realized I did not want that life because it's way more than tiaras and ball gowns. And it's uh, in academia, I got to learn just a lot about obviously the profession, but then in grad school being more delved into it, I took a little bit of a break between undergrad and grad. And so I actually performed uh, professionally also. And I just had this realization <laughs> that it's a industry. And I think anyone who's listening, who's maybe in any type of performing arts, there's a lot of criticism that comes with that profession constantly, no matter how well you're doing, it's always focusing on where the fall you know, where you're falling short, where you need to improve. And I thought I had thick skin, but uh, yeah. <laughs> apparently not enough 
where it just took its mental toll on me. And I realized I, there's not enough therapy that is going to get me through this, the long haul. So I need to figure out what the next thing is. And thankfully after that, I just fell into kind of a corporate world. I went to grad school in New Jersey. Um, and so I was always in New York city on the weekends. And so I just went there. Uh, that's where all the performing art artists want to be. If you want to be a starving artist, that's where you go. So I just happened to land a fantastic temp job because that's kind of how I wanted to get my foot in the door. It was the only thing I had because really all that my qualifications were opera singing. Um, but I fell into like a corporate temp job, which I excelled at because lo and behold, as an opera singer, you learn a lot of skills that transfer very well into the corporate setting. Um, and so I excelled in that temp position. It was like four months. And then I landed my first full-time corporate position um, with one of the largest, most famous advertising agencies in the world. And my career in corporate took off and it was fantastic. It was fast paced. It was advertising. So it was so creative. The people were amazing. I loved it. Um, but soon I realized that wasn't the long haul just because a lot of people I worked with, brilliant women and men, um, fantastic, but a lot of them just looked exhausted. <laughs> they just looked drained and they were young. <laughs> and I realized, uh, I don't want this to be me. I love the, you know, the perks and all the financials and everything that comes with being in obviously corporate New York city. Um, but I didn't, I knew that I wanted a life. <laughs> that, was, that was the other thing I wanted an actual life. And I felt like there has to be a way, there has to be a way to have both the passion and love and joy that I had in music, but then coupled with the financial success and things that come with a corporate, I was like, there cannot just be one, one or the other starving artist, love what you do or corporate tired person making a lot of money. I was like, there's, there's gotta be a gray. And so I left uh, my corporate career, put in my resignation. Um, I gave them two months to try to find my back bill and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this, but it's not this. <laughs> so we'll just open myself up. And honestly, that's what allowed me to open myself to anything and everything and fitness kind of presented itself. I loved working out. I loved, I mean, even though I had somewhat of a unhealthy relationship with movement and definitely in the fitness industry. I just loved great classes that had dancing and good music and fun people. Um, I loved cute clothes. <laughs> so I was like, you know, open myself up to it. And uh, I didn't think it would ever be a career because I never thought of myself then as being able to have a space in this industry, being a plus size woman, not having seen a body like mine, um, really leading movement. But I just took one step after another. And it just has been this evolution that I never set out to accomplish, <laughs> but it, it's happened and it's more than I ever could have actually dreamed up for myself. It turned out to be honestly the best, best of both worlds and even more so. That's, a, and I love this story because, well, one, I can relate to it in so many ways because I also went to the college for performing arts. I was a dancer and 
similar to you. I was like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life auditioning and having people. And I was a dancer, so they really honed in on your body, like to whole another whole another level. I'm like, I could either live this life auditioning for things and being constantly told that I'm not good enough, or I can yeah. go a different round. I also did the corporate corporate life, and then similarly to you, I was like there has to be more like this can't be right. Like it can't be one or the other. So I really love that you kind of had that journey and I can, I can relate to it in so many ways. One thing that I um, really pulled from your story was that you had at one point kind of, you, you mentioned that you kind of struggled in the fitness culture um, and it, it made you question a lot about like and judge and kind of feel like you had to prove your own athleticism is something that you've written about before. And I'd love for you to talk about why it can feel like that for so many people and how you realize you didn't have to have anything to prove and what made you get into this place of saying, no, I'm actually going to do the opposite in this industry and give people a space to do that. Absolutely. I mean, up until... Well, I mean, it's a constant work in progress. I think the first couple of years were really hard for me where I had told myself, I'll make this a hobby, right? It's like, oh, it's the side thing that I'll do. I'll never actually take it seriously because then you're, you're really putting skin in the game and then you're really opening yourself up to being vulnerable. And up until then, for me, really fitness, it was, I was the girl in the back of the room because a lot of times, you know, I walk in and you either get looks or you just feel like you're getting looks because you don't look like anyone else. Um, and then classes that I loved, I love things that are high energy. I love being challenged. And then I think in a lot of those classes, you really feel like the oddball. You almost feel apologetic for being there. Or even if I can't do exactly what everyone does, especially at that point, you didn't get a lot of modifications. Instructors didn't really know how to help you or maybe didn't want to. So you're, you're sitting there, I felt like, figuring it out. You know, my first experience in yoga was taking Bikram yoga. And I really didn't know what I was doing. And <laughs> Tell us now, did you pass out? Never... Did you pass out during your first class of Bikram yoga? Oh, I... I I think I literally like mantraed myself through that class. It was like, I'm not going to I had to leave the room <laughs> because I was so lightheaded. So. I mean, the fact that I actually continued probably doing Bikram every week for about a year after that is insane because to the point where now I would never, I would never go into a bigger class. Like there's no need for that. I don't have to do that. <laughs> but I don't think ever I was addressed by the instructor the entire year. I never gone to that class, but it's just because either they don't know what to do. Maybe it's, I don't know, whatever that looks like. So for me to then try to see myself as being the person who leads fitness, I mean, that was a really, that's a really big leap. And I think that's why it was so hard for me to even take that leap where at first it was, maybe I'll do this as a hobby. I'll help my mom. I mean, that was the motivation for me is let me be my mom's accountability partner and we can do this together. Right. It's like this, your mom's the safe zone. That's like your safety net. She's going to love it regardless because she's your mom and she has to. <laughs> but then once it was, you know, helping her, helping my best friend, and then little by little, just accepting 
that I, I can be in this space, that I have something to offer to someone to help them. That was like the first realization. If I can help my mom and she's benefiting from this, I am, I can help someone. And then letting that then grow and take root and nurture that so that it can be, well, I can help people beyond just my mom. I can help people that I don't know. I can help people that don't look like me. Um, I, and the more that I shared my story, I realized that I'm not an enigma. I'm not the only person who feels uncomfortable or ignored in these spaces. So then it's now that I get that and I have this light bulb moment, I have a responsibility then to help pave the way for other people. I'm not ashamed to be the person in the back of the room figuring it out. So why not use that as an opportunity to then hopefully change the space so that people feel welcomed? Because we need so much change in many industries, (laughs) but especially in the fitness industry, right? Because there's such an interesting um, kind of like dichotomy at play that I was thinking of when you were saying like, oh, I kind of like, I didn't know if I was supposed to feel bad because I don't, I just kind of like felt bad for existing. When at the same time you have those same uh, instructors or personal trainers and just general people walking down on the street, if they see someone in a plus size body that's like running or walking, whatever, they're like, oh, good for them. So good for them, quote, enough to come to the studio. But then once they're there, you just kind of like isolate isolate them and let them be on their own. And then they're never going to want to come back, even if their intention was, I just want to feel good and empowered in my body and learn how to move because I'm not limited in being one allowed to come to this class you can go wherever you want to but it doesn't feel like that when you go to those classes and especially ones like Bikram yoga or like the high energy type classes that you're talking about because they really do cater towards thin people and if they do have modifications it's not for non-thin people right or just, I, I felt like, because I love a boot camp class. I love a hit class. I mean, it's just like the things that society tells me I shouldn't be. I'm like, I like that thing. <laughs> you know, that's why I got into all of the outdoor adventure. It's just, I love that. And I felt like I was so excluded from it. But I feel like a lot of times classes or instructors or gyms as a whole in the industry can cater to people that have a certain level of mobility and physique. So even if you're thin, but maybe you're going through an injury, you don't have the support that is, I, you are still an athlete (laughs) just because you're healing, just because you're moving in a different way does not mean you're, you have no athleticism, but I feel like that is what it ended up being. And it took me just allowing myself to be in my own space and figure it out to then have that realization of like, no, I'm an athlete, period. And there we go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I also love how you talk about how you, your, one of your main goals and priorities is to use movement to help women break down the barriers of disbelief and also celebrate bodies of all sizes without limits. Can you go into a little bit more about what you mean by the barriers of disbelief? I, I mean, I have been big my whole life and I always felt attached to that was this idea that I couldn't do things. And not only that, like I could only do certain things. It was, I really felt like it was in this body. I can't do, 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 do. Like everything that my friends were doing, everything that I saw, I just felt excluded. And once 
I tapped into through my fitness journey of realizing, oh, I have strength and mobility and capability in my body, and then took that into the outdoor space and started hiking and paddle boarding and snorkeling. That was the moment for me where it's, I had uh, then all these places where I excluded myself, I was able to then put my body in those scenarios. And I realized I had been living a life of complete disbelief of just thinking I can't when the reality is I can. And I know, and I felt that that can't just be me. I have friends, I have family that have felt the same way. They've never even considered, I had never considered hiking ever. I'd never considered really surfing, snorkeling, snowboarding, because I just automatically was, I look this way, I can't even go there. And so for me, it's if someone can believe, whether it's seeing me or seeing someone or doing something where they have just that little seed of, oh, I can do it. That I think trickles into so many aspects of your life. It doesn't even have to be something that has to do with a physical journey or fitness or outdoor, but what it did for me was then allow me to then see and take inventory of, okay, what else in my life am I saying I can't? Because maybe I just haven't imagined it or seen it um, in anything, right? An opera singer who becomes a fitness professional. I mean, it's because then now I realize I can do anything in any scope and sphere of this existence in this life. Um, and so I want other women to have that because there might be things in, in their small, big, medium, it could be anything, but sometimes we just, we, a lot of times we don't believe it. And so that's it. That's what I am hoping to empower women. <laughs> no, it's true. I think it's really empowering. And I hope everyone who's listening is is taking this as, as bluntly as we possibly can. She's telling you that you can do whatever you want to do and you don't have to change anything first. Like that's that's like the the major permission slip that you just wrote for everybody, like which is amazing. Everyone needs that permission slip. Because uh, even in the corporate you know, one of the things for me was just seeing amazing, again, a lot of women, I was thankful that I worked with so many just great women leaders. But a lot of times it was they felt stuck because it was I'm in the construct of this corporate environment. And I just have to do this thing. And I was like, now on the other side, I'm like, no, you can do anything. You really can have the best of both worlds. You you can make it whatever you want to. And that took me discovering that in this fitness journey to then now apply that back into the, a lot of times we just, whether it's someone just saying it or even experience it in some way, but that you really can do anything. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you, you've talked about before too, and then I know this goes through a lot of people's minds. And I think this is at the heart of a lot of it. A lot of people feel, and I've heard clients of mine say, or other people say like, well, I can't do this until... I lose weight first. Like that's always the thing. And it's this belief that we can't, that we can't do stuff or we can't have a seat at the table or we can't show up fully, um, as our, as our full selves until we look a certain way or change something to, cause we think that this is going to unravel our confidence or our right. beliefs about ourselves in some magical unicorn <laughs> unicorn type way. And so I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit about taking that from how do I go from this mindset of 
I need to lose weight first to, no, 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 no. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it and I'm going to enjoy the things that I'm doing. Uh, I mean, it's work. It's a, I, honestly, when I decided to take the leap, a lot of it, I did a lot of personal development, a lot of listening to podcasts, a lot of podcasts, <laughs> uh, from, a, you know, hearing conversations from other humans who, who've had to work through the same thing, because the wonderful, beautiful thing is you're not alone in that thought process. We've all had it at some level and we're all working through it, you know, some maybe quicker, more successfully than others, depending on how much time and effort you're putting into it. It's possible um, to make that shift. And for me, it's, I did for a long time think my life will be better when I've, when I've hit this number. It really was like this random, I don't even know how I got this number, but it was like, when I weigh this, that's kind of when I'm living my best life. And for some reason, everything's going to happen for me. And on the journey, you know, I was discovering just joy and strength and life. And I wasn't there yet, you know, and, and I actually never got there. (laughs) Um, Because then at that through the course of that journey, I realized I'm living the life of my dreams and I'm living and I'm doing, and I'm experiencing and dreaming and going after it. And none of that is tied to this thing of, I have to shrink. I have to become less. I have to hit this number. And at one point I was able to completely let it go. I mean, there was times at the beginning where I was still kind of like holding on a little bit. (laughs) Like I can't, that's, you know, I'm so used to that. It's what I've done, but it was my safety blanket. But then there came a point where I really stepped into the fullness of, of who I am, where I'm going. And I was able to let go of it. So it's a process and we all get there in a different way. I think the main thing is for anyone is just to recognize that it is possible And then to just take steps forward, like just take, and we're all going to fall. We're all going to, you know, maybe you take 10 steps back at some point and that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. And I think that's such an important reminder or, you know, permission slip that like, this is hard depending on where you're starting from. There are many, like, it's hard for everybody, but sometimes depending on your starting point in comparison to and how far away you are from the the thin ideal that is portrayed in beauty aesthetics and everything in our culture, right? There's even more stumbling blocks along the way. But I think just going into it knowing that like it's not supposed to be easy. Like nobody's saying like they do in diet culture, right? You'll be able to do this in 30 days and everything's gonna be fine, right? I think going into it knowing like it's okay that this is hard it's okay that there's going to be these stumbling blocks and obstacles along the way because when you know that that's coming, while on the one hand that might be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go that way. Like that doesn't sound like a great path. But if you know that those are coming and you anticipate that those are coming at some point, you're then like, oh, it's it's okay that I just kind of tripped, right? Or fell back Mm -hmm. a couple of steps or whatever it was, right? And so I love this quote that you had on your Instagram in one of your captions where you said, learning to love all the parts of you that you once spent a lifetime trying to change is a journey, right? So can you talk about that a little bit more? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
because there was so, you know, for me, like I said, I'd always been big and I just, I always felt that that was wrong. Like there was just something bad with that and always trying to change, like really my whole relationship early on, very young with movement and this whole culture of like diet culture and fitness culture. It was all about how I changed my body and my physique to then be accepted, which accepted then meant it's beautiful. It's worthy. It belongs. And that was it. Like it was, that was the only focus. And to now be on this side of truly celebrating and loving my body. It's just, it's, it strikes me sometimes because I honestly don't, I know that me at 18 years old would never have believed this is the mindset that I would have and be who I am. Um, because I really felt so ashamed in my own body. And so now to be so thankful and celebrating it, it's huge. Um, and working through that, it's, a, it is literally a process of, a lot of unlearning and letting go and realizing that the things that you believed weren't necessarily your own thoughts. There were things that you have adapted. There are other people's narratives. Maybe it came from a hurt place that they had dealt with and that transformed onto you, especially within your own family. If you have, you know, for me, I've had my mom, my aunts, my cousins who kind of had that mindset. And so that automatically transferred to me but it, a lot of my journey was un, unlearning it and letting it go and realizing that that was never mine to carry in the first place. And I have the ability to, and I owe it to myself to write my own narrative and to accept, like accept and cultivate what it is that I want for my life. And then what I hope to transfer into the women with them and my family, like, who do I get to be to my nieces? Um, and my younger cousins, you know, what is that legacy that I'm going to leave within the women in my life? And so I have to do the hard grunt work <laughs> um, of working through that and realizing that I'm, I am beautiful. I am strong. I am worthy. I deserve to take up space in the body that I'm in right now. No, I, I love that a lot because I'm, as you were kind of telling this story about the generation, like the parents and family structures and stuff. I think about that a lot from like a family systems perspective too, and how it's so much of it's carried forward. And what you've basically done is you've basically said to your nieces and your cousins and anyone else who comes after you and also before you, because you're living by example of showing, Hey, you know what? I am celebrating all bodies and I'm doing it without any kind of limits too. And that's what I think is really cool about what about what you're talking about here is about kind of sharing a, a new perspective for people of saying, hey, maybe I never thought about that because there was a time when I didn't think about it, right? Like I didn't think about how I could show up for the fitness class and lead it. Like I didn't think I could do that. And here now I am. And now I'm giving the permission and the and kind of the the example for people to see that you can, like we can do all those things if we want to do them. And one of the things that you have talked about that I, I saw, I can't remember where it was. It may have even just been basically in your, in your bio actually, <laughs> where you said that, um, you believe that body positivity size inclus inclusivity. Oh my God. I cannot say that word right now. <laughs> and body diversity are not just a conversation, but an action. And I think you're describing 
the action right now and like what you're doing, but I'd love for you to tell us more about what is that action and, and from like a, and using some of the language that me and Dana have used before, we talk about micro and then macro, like those little things that shift and then those big things that can make those, like what we were talking about is those couple stumbling blocks or those huge step backs. But how do you move into that action of body positivity and size inclusivity and body diversity? This whole journey has been for me action, you know, from an idea that I could possibly maybe have a space in fitness to how do I take action internally and externally? And then how do I grow that exponentially, right? So that it has a ripple effect and then can hopefully affect others. Um, Because it was never a journey about me. It was always about the bigger picture. It was always about how can I use this experience, which there were times where it was like completely hard. I mean, going through life and just, you know, feeling so out of place and, you know, going through all of that, but how can I then flip that to be a positive impact on anyone else? Um, you know, it's all been about action. So, I mean, internally, it's just, for me, taking time, taking space to walk through it, it's, it's never an easy thing. And therapy is always a great thing. <laughs> you know, I had it started as an opera singer and it didn't stop when I left that world. <laughs> like it continues on. Um, and just working through what it is that I'm telling myself that internal voice is always going to be the thing that you default to, because it's the voice that you hear the most. And that's coming from you. And that's the voice you're going to believe most. So for me, it's always checking into that and making sure that that starts at the, uh, from a healthy point, um, in a healthy place. Um, but then externally for me, it's just showing up for myself first, always. Um, it's interesting because now we're, you know, six years into this journey and I do a lot of what I do is for other people, which is fantastic and amazing. And that's a gift, but I can only do it if, at the core of it, I'm showing up for me. Um, and so that's something that's always a priority. And that looks a lot of different ways. You know, it might be just giving myself more grace. I'm going through an injury, recovering from a wrist fracture right now. Movement looks a lot different and it sucks when you, <laughs> when you rely on your body and you're, you know, a fitness professional and you have to show up. And again, there's this expectation of, well, a fitness professional moves a certain way. Well, not when she has a fractured wrist, <laughs> um, you know, it might be giving yourself grace. It might be resting. It might be, um, you know, challenging yourself in movement, uh, maybe going out of your comfort zone and letting yourself take that aerial yoga class that you never thought you could do, um, but just continuously showing up. Um, and that I think over time, then you realize what that looks like on a bigger level. I mean, that's what it took for me. I mean, it was just, let me show up for my you know, five minutes of movement, which is really what it was. I was like stepping back and forth, just moving a little bit for me every day. Um, And that's literally how this whole thing kind of just started. And now I get to show up and lead fitness for women all over the world. You know, it just, it doesn't happen overnight, but it does take one, one step and every step is, is valid and is helping. I love that. And, you know, we're talking about showing up for yourself and showing up for 
all different kinds of people, right? You've talked about how it's so important to celebrate all bodies, but not just celebrate all bodies, celebrate all bodies without limits, right? Can you talk about why that qualifier is so incredibly important in that statement? (laughs) Because we put so many limits on ourselves, right? Any, and other people, um, you know, it's, I think, It works kind of because there might be people who are listening to this who have maybe never experienced this the challenges of being a plus size or being in a larger body. And that might not translate very well. But there are so many things that we put limits on ourselves, or maybe we put limits on other people. So you might be the person who sees someone in that class and you might think they've they're a beginner and they never come to the fitness, but that's that's your narrative, not necessarily theirs. There are times when I started teaching uh, fitness classes at the YMCA, I was brought on to teach high impact, high intensity classes. And a lot of times if I walked in and I didn't, I wasn't there at the very beginning, but I walked in at some point and people were already there, they would assume that I'm new to <laughs> class. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I'm here, <laughs> I'm here to teach this class. So, you know, we have things to learn regardless of where we fall on the spectrum of this, um, is that bodies, we, we don't have the right to put limits on bodies that we know nothing about. Um, and I think that even in turn might be your own body. If you have not tried to do the thing, don't, don't say that you can't for the longest time. I said, I I would never be a surfer. I can't surf because I'm in a fat body. And that was like the end all be all. And it's like, how dare I put that own limit on this body that shows up for so many other things before I even tried to get on a board. I mean, I had made that assessment before I'd even tried. So it was like, shame on me. (laughs) So, you know, it's, we, it works both ways. We can put limits on other bodies that we see or even on our own bodies. And I think that that is something that I feel passionate about helping people see through um, because it's just, it holds us back in so many different ways. Um, And I think when we do it so much on ourselves, we end up then doing it for other people. And that's just not fair. I really love that distinction that you just said about how we put that limit on ourselves. I think a lot of times people will focus on the limits that are placed on them or they believe that it's being placed on them from external things. But sometimes it's, it really is like an internal belief. Like you're talking about getting on the surfboard. Like, where did you hear, like, like, where did that belief come from? You know, did someone say, Oh, like, Oh, you can't because of this or what, where did that come from? Or was this just this internalized belief of, Oh, I have to wait until before I can do any of these other things. And I think that's a really interesting kind of thing to, that shows people the internal action that you can take by simply challenging your own thoughts. Like when those thoughts come up and saying to yourself, where did this come from? Can I challenge this belief? Where did it come from? I had never challenged that voice as much as when I lost the vision in my right eye. So it was like, you know, I started my fitness journey in, I think 2015, 2014, 15. And then within a year, I had ended up having this like freak accident situation where I lost literally like 90% of the vision in my right eye. And that to me, and it's still, I'm still blind. It's okay. <laughs> but that's when I, that was the thing for me of 
nothing is guaranteed. I was like, obviously my vision, I had no plan that that was going to happen. And it literally was like overnight, boom, it's gone. Oh my gosh, my world's falling apart. But it put in perspective for me, nothing is guaranteed. So why not? What's the worst that can happen? I lose my eyesight that already happened. So, (laughs) you know, if it's that I'm embarrassed or that I realize I can't do something, that's not that's not anything. And that is when I was like, well, let's just try all the things and put myself out there. But it took something so drastic for me to then realize, why am I putting all these limits? I'm living my life more fully. I'm doing wild and crazy adventure things. And I never did that before when I had perfect vision in both eyes. And now I'm doing them as the impaired, the visually impaired person, you know, and it's just, how, and we see people out there. It's so interesting where we can see someone who has a real challenge or disability, um, you know, out there, I've seen people surf that, you know, on one leg and it's, we can see that and be so in awe, but then, you know, for me, I was like, oh, well, I, you know, I weigh too much. I can't do anything. I mean, we, yeah, (laughs) we're interesting. Humans are interesting. Humans are super interesting. We could go in a million different directions with that. But (laughs) so speaking of, you know, you are one of those people who's leading the way to create a more inclusive space, specifically in fitness and adventures and everything with people. So tell us more about JOIN, because I want to learn more about that and I want everybody to learn more about it. That it's, it's an amazing platform. I'm so thankful it exists. I never thought something would. Um, and it's funny cause I had actually thought of creating something like that. So join being a fitness platform that is really accepting of all bodies and not necessarily in just shape and sizes. I mean, the beautiful thing is you are going to see instructors that do look like literally all across the spectrum, Um, but that move different ways. And it could be, if you're working through injuries, it could be working through different mobility challenges, Um, but it really just makes movement an inclusive space. I had went into 2020 creating um, a fitness app for myself, but the realization early on for me was that I didn't want it to be just me. I love different types of movement. Um, I get bored really easily, which is, <laughs> which is, I need a little bit of everything. And so I loved the idea that I could go into this platform and I have yoga, I have bar, I have high intensity, I have boxing, um, a lot of movement that sometimes we don't see people that look like us doing, but leading that movement. I think it's just an, a fantastic platform. So I was so excited to join um, that team as, you know, really focusing in on their hit high intensity impact training um, because you don't get to see larger bodies really in that space. And then making modifications or variations, is not an afterthought, but really incorporate that in. And so you have permission to move how you need to move, but still feel athletic and like I'm gaining strength, I'm gaining endurance and I can still move in a way that works best for my body where it is right now. And I can still kick your ass if you come at me. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. I mean, some of the trainers on there, I'm like, oh my goodness, I would be scared to me. Like Georgina does these boxing and she's like a ex uh, pro MMA fighter and no one would ever 
yeah, I was like, I'm scared of you. But it's it's interesting because people would never assume that, right? Because we have these ideas of you look a certain way, you can't do X. I'm like, y'all don't know. <laughs> yeah, people make a lot of judgments, right? I think that's kind of what, what we're going with here. But who do you love to check out for body image and relationship with fitness and exercise? Um, who do you love to follow for, for all that too? I'm always interested in hearing like who's everyone, who are the influencers influenced by? I mean, the beautiful thing is like, we have so much exposure to these people where I did not see them, you know, six years ago when I was starting. And it's one, I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about social media. It gets a, it gets a bad rap as it should sometimes. <laughs> uh, but it's been a space where we can then now see and have exposure to just all of this wonderful, positive, healthy um, conversation and content that's out there. So for body you know, some of my go-tos is like, I am, um, Shantae, she's on there. She's a beast. Uh, I love it because I love seeing just strength and power coming from larger bodies. And I'm just always, and I'm like, can I get on that level? Um, <laughs> Berna Valerio, I think a lot of people may know, um, she's an ultra runner and just all around outdoor, conqueror in so many different spaces and I'm always it's interesting because I I feel like we have a similar heart where we just love to try anything and everything we were both out in Costa Rica surfing for the first time I think at around the same time it was like literally weeks apart and we just love going after different things so I'm always like oh what's the next thing she's going to tackle um which I think she's like doing skiing I'm like yeah I'm not there yet I'm cold <laughs> I'm I'm from Hawaii so it's like <laughs> you gotta get a lot of gear That'll for take... there's a lot of gear all right <laughs> a lot of layers a lot of things going on <laughs> I'm like surfing it's just show up in a bikini yay <laughs> um so those are two that I get really excited about in fitness um, overall, because that's kind of another thing that I just love is tapping into people that are being creative in movement and how are they showing up for different bodies in movement? Well, okay. So speaking of doing really cool things, can you tell us more about the retreats? So excited about the retreats. Um, you know, that actually came from my Instagram community. I never in a million years thought I would lead these retreats. But what happened was when I, when I shared my surfing journey in 2018, gearing up to take my first lesson, and then obviously what's happened and continued on after that, a lot of women were wanting to know if I had recommendations or suggestions of spaces, schools, camps where they could go and learn how to surf and felt really included. And, um, in these spaces, I honestly thought there would be something I really did, even though (laughs) it's just the most like naive thought process, because even though up until surfing, I had never found clothing gear, the instructors, I did not see it. And I had been searching. And for some reason, I just felt, oh, it has changed overnight. And it didn't. Um, So when I couldn't find anything, I felt really just bad. I felt 
like responsible, even though it wasn't my fault, I did feel responsible. I'm like, I can't just go back to them and tell them, sorry, too bad for you. So I ended up creating <laughs> really like the first plus size surf retreat. Um, and the original one actually has been postponed because of COVID because we were going to have it around that time. Uh, but it gave me the opportunity to then open this up because like me, I know there's women that want to do a lot of different adventures and just want a space where they can come and, and enjoy and know that someone has already taken down all the roadblocks, right? The questions that we have, am I too heavy? Am I too big? Is there gear for me? You know, that's my job is to make sure that we've answered those, everything is taken care of and they just show up and get ready to meet people and have fun. So our first retreat that's happening um, officially ah, is <laughs> gonna be in Greece. Um, it's September 27th through October 2nd, 2020. I write, it's like Greece. After all that's gone on this year, we deserve a week in paradise, um, an opportunity of, I'll be leading yoga. So I um, did my yoga teacher training because that was one thing I wanted to incorporate in all the retreats was yoga. But then as much as we're seeing more plus size bodies in yoga, there's still so much disparity. And I was having challenges finding people in some of these local areas in Hawaii was one. I was like, really? There's nobody <laughs> on these eight islands? <laughs> um, so I was like, well, it must, it's gotta be me. So I'll be leading yoga. We'll be doing some fun rich, um, adventures some optional hiking, um, sailing, snorkeling, you know, just having the time of our lives being with women, um, you know, coming together in community and just empowering each other and having a good time. Oh my gosh. I want to be there so bad. <laughs> sounds amazing. There's that sounds absolutely <laughs> incredible. Who doesn't want to spend time in Greece, hanging out in this beautiful scenery with you doing yoga and hiking and snorkeling and all of the fun things with other people and not having to worry about what people are thinking about my body or your body or anything like that. What a like a freeing experience. And I'm so glad that you're a doer <laughs> and decided that you weren't going to find something, you were going to make something because this sounds like such an incredible experience. And we hope that Everybody who's listening pops onto your website and signs up and finds out more details. And on that note, do you want to share with us where people can find you so they can learn more about this amazing retreat and join and everything? Absolutely. So all, all my life is on Instagram. <laughs> Basically, uh, at Kanoa Green, um, literally, if it's not on if it's not on my feed popping in the stories, I'm always there literally sharing a play by play. Um, and I share the retreat stuff there as well. Hey friends, last thing to note about today's episode. So since the episode originally aired, this actually just happened in the last month, I believe, the app and website Join, where Kanoa originally was hosting a lot of her workout classes, has actually shut down. But you can still find all of her classes and all of the recordings over on YouTube, which will be linked in the show notes. So we definitely hope that you check those out because they are awesome. friends, it's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
this helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.